Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. <laughs> it begins. It begins. Welcome to another episode of Broadway Breakdown. Um, John, why are the giggles just now? Because we're in the same room. Yeah. Yeah. It's so wonderful. I forgot what you looked like again. I know. You're welcome. It's scary when I pop back up at, at, like, at a door, don't I? Like people, I go away for so long, and then people are like, let's hang out. And then I show up at their doorstep, and they're like, um, I didn't order any Seamless from like... I was about to say, you're like... <laughs> Uh, you're like a psoriasis commercial where oh I'm at gosh. home minding my own damn business and then who knocks on the door? John Miscavige as your psoriasis. You can't go out today. Let me tell you, I know exactly what psoriasis commercial you're talking about and I'm obsessed with it. Do, Wait, are, are, you, are you talking about a specific psoriasis? Well, no! Oh, well, I, well, I think it's eczema. Have eczema. You, have you not seen that commercial where that woman has like most of her body is covered in the worst... Sta- By the way, I'm one of your co-hosts, John Miscavige. And I'm your other co-host, Matt Koflick. <laughs> and this we're, is Broadway Breakdown. We're, we're already tangenting, you Girl, motherfuckers. Bitch, shut up. So, um, eczema is a skin condition. Eczema, um, this commercial, this, this woman has the worst... Just, like, it looks like someone just... The makeup artist literally put paper mache eczema on, mm-hmm. like, the back of her neck. And the only line that she says during the whole commercial is, <laughs> It's fine. And it's just so because like it's it's about like painting this picture of this life that you have with eczema where you want to live life but you can't do it and so all of her friends are like hey we're going jet skiing do you want to come she's like I can't and they're like why and she's like I just can't and they're like well are you okay she goes it's fine <laughs> like it's it's so dumb like it's so it, it literally is just like American advertising at its worst and so I'm obsessed with it yeah no they're they're advertising people like your skin is gross so you can't do anything well exactly all this yeah. all the eczema psoriasis commercials that I see uh, it's actually just CGI'd like it's a CGI'd red spot they're like that's where your eczema is it's never real people with eczema anywho um, I was just like referring to just a random commercial I wasn't thinking of anything specific but well, the point I'm is I'm always thinking about that specific commercial the point is everybody John is as unwelcome as my imaginary eczema my yeah. skin is milky and smooth in case well, you're I actually have eczema so do you? I do Oh, I, I you... have seasonal eczema it's mostly during the winter that's well, why I wear so many sweaters mm. well say they also those people 
people in those commercials are always dressed with so many layers. They mm. look like they look like Amy Adams and sharp objects. Like they they're liter- just they're trying oh to. Oh my cover gosh! I was skin. literally just gonna say as soon as I said covered in sweaters, I was like, I bet Matt isn't watching Sharp Objects. But I'm, of course well, you are. I, no, I'm not up to date yet. I've read the book and I have it DVR'd on my mom's DVR in the room that we're actually in right now. Have but you watched any of them? I've watched the first ten minutes of the first episode. I don't okay. have HBO, so oh. I have. I've, it's literally all lined oh, up on my mom's. Sad for you. Shut <laughs> It's all lined up on my mother's DVR because I'm an adult who listen, <laughs> who goes on his mother's DVR. Um, well, I'm an adult more than you, Matt, and I use my parents' Directv sign in. So I, know. Well, I need to obviously. Get that. Well, so <laughs> I use my mom's DVR for two things: for anything HBO or like you know Turner Classic Movie related, yeah, and yeah. also to DVR Younger, which I watched Stop today. Watch. Girl, I screamed. At 11 a.m., this specific episode had one of the best Sutton Foster drops the mics without giving anything away about plot. She's been having a back and forth with one of the main male actors. Same. They had, yeah, aren't we all? <laughs> it was like sexy back and forth, but now it's mad back and forth. Like oh, mad at her. And that's even better. And it's like treating her like a little bitch. Oh. And she find and and the whole episode is that he needs to get this book from Gina Gershon who plays like an like a Courtney Love kind of rocker. We have all been there. We have, we have all, all had that there. journey. And he leaves because he's like tired of trying to get the book. And then Sun Foster sticks around, and Gina Gershon's like, "You gotta fight for it." And the episode ends with her bringing the manuscript into his office, wearing a beautiful power suit, mm. and he goes, "Wait, how'd you get it?" And she turns around, and she goes, "I didn't run away." And that's the end of the episode. And I literally <laughs> did a million pivot turns in my apartment and went pivot, pivot. Pivot. I was great. Pause. And that is how you successfully transitioned from eczema to Sutton Foster in a minute and 30 seconds. Woo! So, yeah. So, Sharp Objects has been really great. I've really been enjoying it. I mean, enjoying it in the way that you can enjoy a show about um, Amy Adams cutting herself while having Mm -hmm. a... The worst. Like, I am so obsessed with characters right now who have such poorly hidden drinking problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, there is nary a moment where she has, like, either a Tito's or a, an absolute bottle in her hand, and no one has a clue. I mean, she's literally drinking every five seconds, and everyone's just like, oh, Amy. Like, oh, girl. Classic like, Amy. Yeah, like, it, it's, it's the... It, like, these people... Uh, she literally must live in a town of blind people because no one has picked up the fact that she is... Always holding a Tito, Tito's bottle. Well, something about the book that uh, is interesting. So, like, in those of you who aren't watching Sharp Objects or just, like, don't read like I do, um, it's written by Jillian Flynn, who's most famous for Gun Girl. Um, yes. And it's Sharp Objects is actually, I would say, more disturbing than Gone Girl. Gone I, w- Girl I would agree, but I, and I haven't even gotten to the heart of I mean, they're only on episode two. No, girl, and, things happen. Yeah, uh, I can only Girl, imagine. Gone oh. Girl is a better book in terms of just story structure and the movie actually even improves on the book but oh really I like the, the book so much better than oh, the movie I, I like the third act of the movie so much more than I like the third act of the book I will agree um, with that yes but the second act the book does better I think that the I think that the book does a better job of the twist with Amy Dunn. I agree uh, I think the movie wants to teleport early on that like it's a persona she's putting on mm-hmm. so when the twist happens you're like I can see it yeah, whereas exactly. in the book you're reading and you imagine like this yeah. girly voice point is um, Amy Adams character is an alcoholic and she also uh, used to cut herself like as a teenager all the way through her yeah. early adulthood yeah. and the point they're trying to make is that she's technically like rehabilitated so she's like replaced cutting herself with drinking Yeah, but now her body is like covered in all these cuts she used to cut words into her skin mm-hmm. so um She'll have like meat. The the, the first Bone. the first one that like you, you 
the first episode, so sorry. If you haven't watched it, we're revealing something about the first episode. So maybe skip ahead like two minutes if you are about to watch it. Skip but ahead they, 20 minutes, let's be they, honest. But they... <laughs> true. But they... um. They don't actually reveal, I don't know how it's done in the book, but they don't reveal that she cuts herself until the very last moment of the first episode. Mm. And so it's really actually interesting because there's something that happens in the very first scene in a dream sequence where you're like, oh, that's so weird. What's going on? And then it makes total sense once you see at the very last moment, you see the word vanish carved into her arm and Mm. you see that she's obviously like has words all over her body. And so I'm very interested. I I started the second episode yesterday and I had to stop and I was going to watch it last night, but it's creepy. It's very creepy. Um, Um, so yeah. yeah, the the point in the book is that she's you know when she was a teenager and then through her early adulthood she carved all these words into her skin, uh, so now she just covers herself up in like turtlenecks and sweaters mm-hmm. all the time. And th- there is a moment in the book where like one person's like, "What are you doing? Like you're it's like middle of summer or like <laughs> in the deep south. In the deep south, like why are you wearing a turtleneck and jacket?" And she's yeah. like, "Shut up." Uh, so, someone yesterday in the episode, this like bitchy girl was like. As soon as she walked away, she was like, ew, I hate her dress. And actually, I thought the dress was, like, super cute, but it was, yeah. like, very long. Like, long sleeves, mm-hmm. big shoulders. Um, I will say, it gets creepier. It I gets creepier. Sharp objects gets even creepier. Her younger sister has a lot of shit going down. Oh, you can already tell. I'm, I'm really into that. And the thing that I also really like about it, too, is that it so far feels, maybe because of the drinking problem, but it feels to me so far like what I wished Girl on the Train was like I read Mm. Gone Girl and I loved it and then I was like I'm gonna read Girl on the Train because people are saying it's the next Gone Girl and I'm gonna love it nope and I just I I think we've even talked about it before in this podcast actually I think maybe we haven't I don't think so maybe we've just talked about it personally but (laughs) I I I was just so disappointed with so much of Girl on the Train yeah there's no real big twist I think everything is kind of everything kind of comes out Really cookie cutter clean and in a way where it's kind of predictable, I thought. Um, There's one twist in Girl on the Train in in regards to her flashbacks that I didn't see coming only because up until that point, mm. I was taking everything sort of at face value. Um, And the twist did not get me in the same way other twists have gotten me. Um, It felt almost like a cop out. I mean, Girl on the Train is a perfectly fine book, but something I give Gillian Flynn a lot of credit for is that she's really good with her mysteries. Uh, if you also yes. read Dark Places, which is also it. really interesting. Um, it's a little, Dark Places is a little bit of a slower read, but she's really good about plotting out exactly how things go down. Mm. So that way you look back and you go, oh, of course. Mm. But as you're reading it, you're not quite sure which way the car is turning. Well, and that's how I feel about um, watching Sharp Objects right now is that it's kind of at a, a slow pace, mm-hmm. but it has a, definitely enough things to like sprinkle in. And the, the, the editing in this show is bizarre and mm-hmm. weird and kind of super jarring. Well, and it's so... the same uh, director of Big Little Lies, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I believe so. And he does so. his own, he does yeah, his own he, editing, he, he too. Did, and, and I just watched Big Little Lies last week for the first time. So, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, or a week and a half ago. No, it was last week. I finished it. Um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, of course. Um, I cannot believe it's taking me that long to watch it. That one, I that one, kind of the same with the twist. I felt like I knew a bit what was coming on. But then the final twist of the of the of the season, yeah, uh, I, I really appreciated. There are there are probably I would say there are about six major twists in the last two episodes of Big Little Lies, and collectively, like me and probably five other friends, all correctly guessed all six twists, but nobody got all six. I would say everybody yeah. averaged about two or three. Yeah, I, was, I, I had two of my twists. Yeah, exactly. So that's what that's what I appreciated about it because I I I wish I could watch things nowadays and just 
go along with the journey but i i guess that's why we watch mysteries is because yeah. we we like to play the detective yeah well ourselves. it's i think part of the reason why it's good to uh, when when something is well done like this, like uh, Big Little Lies and Sharp Objects and Gone Girl, even if you can see some of the twists coming, you can still enjoy the ride. Yeah. Um, oh, honey. It's it's when it's not. Oh, honey. Shut. Okay. <laughs> ride, yes, I'll, honey. Let you, I'll let you have that, honey. <laughs> um, She's so dumb. It is so pointless. dumb. <laughs> There's no reason. There's no reason. Who for is it. this for? Uh, no. <laughs> Who are you? Is it, hello. Is anyone out there? Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. Yes, so I saw Head Over Heels last night. Um, I so it is it is the new uh, Go Go's musical. It is a musical that is set in uh, Shakespearean verse, and it is just a gay romp, Fantasia in two acts. It truly is. Like I also side note, God, I said like so many times when I was on medication last week. I listened to that episode and I just thought we both said like I, a lot. I just, I just thought, gosh, I really let that one go out the window. So it is, it is a gay romp. It is so wonderful. Um, I, I, I happen to know uh, one. Of, or we happen to know one of the the stars, Bonnie Milligan, and it is, it is Bonnie's time to shine. This mm-hmm. this show. Everyone in it is amazing. Alexandra Soka, Socha? Socha. Socha. I didn't know she was in it. That was like a really pleasant surprise to me when I saw the cast list. Um, I have I have never seen her. I was always a huge fan of her vocals on the original Fun Home yeah. uh, cast recording. But um, she was wonderful. Like, ev- oh my gosh, the cast is amazing. I, I, everyone is so phenomenal. Um, and especially uh, Alexandra. But uh, Bonnie, it, uh, th- this is... Go see the show to to say twenty years from now. Oh yeah, famed famous famous person Bonnie Milligan. Famous person. Yes, I saw them in a musical at the Hudson Theater that in Ott eighteen. Yeah. Is that, did I use that correctly? People use Ott all the time, and I have no idea how to use I'm, it. I'm gonna say yes and. So yes. Just go for it. So I saw it in Ott eighteen, and I knew that she was going to be a star. I mean, she truly. Brings the house down. I was telling Matt that I brought my best friend, who is a muggle, um, who but who really enjoys theater, uh, appreciates theater, loves it so much. He, he is obsessed with female vocalists. Mm. He, it, it, if I ever need him to shut up, all I have to do is play that Carrie Makanaka Lakmolis, um, Creed, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I could shut him up for hours with sure. That. Um, and so I, I just said, you know, I, I said, Bonnie is one of the best vocalists that I know of, yada, 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 before the show, you know, casual. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he, was, he was like, okay, whatever, cool. She has the second number. She sings beautiful. And it is pitch perfect. Um, it, it, her voice just sits so high. Yeah. Literally. We were all talking about this, that most females uh, have to work for years to belt the notes to make those her money notes. And yet, like, those other girls' money notes are just Bonnie Milligan's sheer, like, middle voice. Yeah. Like, she's, like, like the, the astonishing is, like, like literally. She like, wakes up at 8 a.m. She's like, I'll warm up on, on that note first. Yeah, that, that, she's like, oh, I'm feeling sick. I'm going to take it down. I, I like, I'm going to start with a really low warm-up tonight. So I'm going to sing astonishing. Her, she, her vocals on Beautiful were just so amazing. But it's, it's, it's early in the show, so it's pretty easy. But there's just this two-measure riff option up section that, I mean, I have a bruise on my leg from my best friend just punching me. Mm-hmm. He had no choice but to just actively abuse me <laughs> because of how amazing 
she is in the show. She's her, her her comedic timing is impeccable. Um, she's gorgeous. She looks gorgeous. She um, I really I I cannot recommend this show enough. It says has a has of course a, a good amount of political undertones. It, it has it speaks so much to. I, I'd say it's really one of the first shows that tackles. Uh, one of the first musicals that really tackles uh, just the, not just the specificity of being transgender or anything, but just the complete kind of deconstruction of gender. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, not the first musical. Uh, I'm completely forgetting about so many. Jesus, John. Um, well, then, uh, like Hedvig. But like, yeah. but it, it really does it in a way where it, it, it just really breaks down everything, like across the board. Yeah. Just When you think there's a moment where they might not have tackled a specific gender... Uh, kind of issue or idea that some people can't wrap their minds around, they tackle it. And so, I mean, my hat's mm-hmm. off to them. I really enjoyed it. Go see it. Um, it is really entertaining. Um, it, it was a preview last night, um, and everything went really, really well. I I, I feel like the, the second act was a little... I, I don't know. The, 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 and the second act is really wonderful, but... I'm, the. I think the first act is just so good mm-hmm. that the second act you're ready and and I I, I don't know I, I'm I'm hoping that it maybe was just like a little bit of a dip in energy because they're of course exhausted yeah um but I mean once the show was over I went out to the stage door to meet Bonnie I accidentally literally bumped into Ingrid Michaelson <laughs> my body touched hers and then I went oh I'm sorry and then I didn't know that it was Ingrid Michaelson when I said oh I'm sorry like that and then I saw it was her and so then I just went I just made another dumb sound I went ah and then I walked away um and then I almost bumped into Faith Prince and then I saw Bonnie what, what so, the fuck was Faith Prince doing there just like I to guess, see I, it? I think she did one of the readings for, according to what Bonnie said I believe oh. I, might have, I might have I might be making that fucked up but go see Head Over Heels I absolutely loved it mm-hmm. um it is I hope it stays on Broadway forever because it's brilliant and that is John's hot 69 take I'm seeing it. I think I'm going to try to see it next week uh, mm-hmm. with a friend because we want to. See, we would like to see it right before it opens. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's the goal. Before that, though, we're going to get super drunk and see Mamma Mia. Here we oh go again. My gosh. Which weirdly, if you go on Metacritic right now, it's got a higher score than the original. I know. That's what I was seeing as well. Um, who knew? Right. Well, like I think what they said was. Now that there are more younger people in the movie who actually sing well, mm. it's more enjoyable mm. to watch. And because mm. like they the the first time they made Mamma Mia, Phyllida Lloyd knew nothing about how to make a movie, so there were just certain inconsistencies in the movie that certain. were certain. <laughs> I was trying to be kind, but apparently that's not the game we're playing. Yes, no. there are times where they're on a Greek. Who needs guy- to be nice about the Mamma Mia movie? Mamma Mia. Not the movie, though. Uh, it's just like sometimes they're on a Greek island and sometimes they're clearly on a soundstage. <laughs> and sometimes Meryl Streep's face doesn't move because they've CGI'd out all of her wrinkles. Well, exactly. Mamma Mia is one of the worst things to happen to the gay community since the romp him. And I now own a romp him. I saw that. I want and one. And so, listen, I love it. I will never give it back. I'm going to wear I'm going to wear it all the Hanukkah time. Hanukkah is a mere 5 months away. You have your gifts ready for me. Great. Here we go. Um I expect <laughs> nothing less and I want it to be paisley. Oh dear god. Yeah. Um but yeah, I guess because they now 
understand how to physically make a movie better it's just like more enjoyable to be on the ride whereas the first one like you can't always be on the ride for it because you can't sometimes just like that shot was jarring or like yeah that bit i mean i love mama mia or i'm i love mama mia music too much coffee i love abba music um uh, so much and so that makes sense to me because I yeah. mean who doesn't love those songs they're bops they're yeah, real bops they the are tops. true bops um, and, um, and the show itself like when you see when I saw Mamma Mia on Broadway when it first opened like when it's a cast that cares like it is you enjoy it yeah it's oh fun. my god Because and it's one of those yeah. things where they do the work for you like mm-hmm. we know exactly what we are Yep. All in, and you just you're in for the ride. We're gonna mime those piano chords in Dancing Queen, and you're gonna go. I see what they did. They're miming a piano because it goes. I get that. I get that. I'm yeah. in for the ride. That is exactly your journey as an audience member. In oh Mamma my god, Mia. I love that journey stage. for me. I love that journey for me. But um, no, the movie. Yeah, just the movie. So I'm. I I, I was not planning on seeing it. Oh, I was I always. Guess I, I guess I'm gonna now. I was always planning on seeing it. I will uh, see it in a completely sober uh, state. You know, I, I, yeah, just I will kidding. be. I will kidding, remember everything about it. No, but I'm just like so surprised that there. I knew it was gonna that there would be bad reviews, and there are some bad reviews. But I'm surprised. Like, there are some solid critics out there who think it's really Can good. Ninety two percent on um, Rotten Tomatoes or something. Oh, I don't trust Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Metacritic does sort of what Rotten Tomatoes does, but they take into account the validity of all the reviews. And so each review, uh, it's a scale of one to ten, not like rotten or fresh. So okay. uh, well, one to one hundred, I mean. So like, oh, okay. I, I, was, so I, was, like, I was like, no. So like, uh, <laughs> if the New York Times is like mixed, it'll be a fifty. Gotcha. Not, no, not rotten. And the New York Times is fifty will mean more than say uh, like Vulture's one hundred. So mm. it'll find a balance, and then the average will be sixty. Oh, nice. Kind of how our electoral college should work, but doesn't anymore. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> So the world's unfair. Keep it locked out there. I'm just so glad we got to record one more episode together before um, everything our country explodes. literally gets blown up by Russia. No, no, it's not. Russia will not blow up our country. Russia will want to infiltrate our country and just rape us for all we're worth. Uh, midterms, y'all. Make sure you're registered to vote. We gotta, we gotta start fighting back, y'all. Yeah, there's, there's some crazy. minor revolutions happening in this country. We gotta have some bigger ones. Yeah. And so as a perfect tangent, I would like to share with all of you something that I believe that I've talked about before, but I've never actually played on this podcast. <laughs> Matt is so done with me today. I'm I, not even, I won't look at him. Not look, he, will, he refuses to make direct eye contact with me, although we're the only two people in this room. It's true. Um, so this, I, I just have... Life is tough, you guys. Life, life, life is hard. The older that you get, the sadder you get. Um, and you have to find your joy. You have to cultivate your joy. TM. Yeah. You know, that's my new trademark. Uh, cultivate your joy. Yeah. Um, and find your grail. Find and then make and then make your, your garden grow. Um, <laughs> find your grail. And or I guess she eventually found her girl because she's a lesbian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good on that good, bitch. Good, good for her. But I became obsessed a couple months ago with um, this bootleg audio recording of a Glinda belting in No One Mourns the Wicked on the West End. Um, and there's no rhyme or reason for me to play this right now. There's literally... 
we we hadn't talked about this prior other than right before we started recording i was like matt i just finally want to play this clip and he he just he he had that moment that someone has when they realize how futile it is to fight back (laughs) he literally just he just he just yeah yeah no it's true so let's just take a mo and listen to something that's gonna bring us all joy Mm -hmm. i wonder how okay technology let's see if this works Can you believe? Mm-hmm. Can you um, believe? Side note: so, if, that, if that doesn't play, I can always right, link yeah. it in. But um, full chest battle. Yeah. Well, so the funny thing, John did, did play it for me right beforehand, and so for those of you who know the difference between chest, head, and mix, which by the way, um, I don't know if we discussed this before. I once had to explain to someone what it, the difference between head, chest, and mix, and I used Kristen Chenoweth's "Thank Goodness" because it's a perfect. It is a perfect. It's a perfect example, example of, of all of it because she uses all the voice. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, That's so true. Because yeah, it's all the things. So I was like, and I would go like mix head chest mm-hmm. chest mix. But so John's playing that for me, and I'm listening to it, and it's and it's mix, it's mix, and I'm, and I'm sitting here going, does did John forget the difference between a mix and a belt for a second? I was like How so concerned, and then you. she hits the die alone and i went oh shit and that's yeah i was like that's why we're, we're playing so it. that was louise dearman she's the only woman who's ever played both galinda and alphaba and she's a deer um she is a deer man uh well woman um and deer woman she just yeah i there's no reason for me to play that clip today i just really wanted to share yeah. that with you guys so you're welcome and yeah. segment What's um, next? <laughs> well, speaking of things that'll give us confused joy, maybe, perhaps. Um, AKA, I, like, when I discovered Undressed on MTV when I was 13 years old, it gave me confused joy. What's Undressed? Did you not watch Undressed when you were 13 years old? No, I watched Skinamax. <laughs> <laughs> you just turned it to 11 real quick. I would, I would... No, I've, that, I, just want, I wanted to throw John for a second. Undress, undress was for people who were, like, afraid to watch porn. Like, they were afraid to, like, Google porn. Yeah, well, Skinamax was sort of that, too. It was softcore and, like, was always about the plot more. Well, yeah, and that's what Undressed was, but it was... it was. I, I honestly, to this day, do not know how they got away with it, because it was all different, just random stories of teenagers having sex. Mm-hmm. And it was, like... Like I mean, Skins sort of thing? I, I believe so. I believe a lot of people compared it to Skins, but it was... I mean, it was the first time I saw young gay people try to have a relationship slash try to have coitus Mm. on tv and it only came on mtv really late at night um i turn i would always turn the volume down to like three Mm -hmm. and just sit really close to the tv yeah you know like you do like you're a criminal trying to hide something in your own that was me for the first three seasons of queer as folk i hear you squirrel yeah and so i um (laughs) (laughs) so this is all to say undressed I don't know how we got here. I'm confused, Joy. <laughs> confused. Wow. I'm joyful. Oh, it bring it brings something that brings us joy. What was it? Confused Confus- joy. Confused joy. Yeah. So, undressed gave me confused joy. Um. So, <laughs> so glad so, I so so glad I decided to, to take that little just, trip away. Well, for all we know, this could be relevant because we don't know what's going to happen with could it. Could be. Eva Van Hoffe has been announced to direct a revival. How do you say his name? Eva Van Hoffe. Yeah. 
Have you been saying Ivo Van Hoff? I'm so from, like fucking from Pennsylvania. I've been like Ivo Van Hove. Well, that's how I years. thought it was. That's how I thought it was. I've been saying Ivo Van Hove for years. No, it's Hoffe. Hoffe like Cafefe? Cafefe. Yeah, exactly. Hoffe. Just like that. Mm. It has been explained to us he will be directing a new production of West Side Story. Uh, the, the, if that were not enough, they will not be using any of the Jerome Robbins choreography. They will be using new choreography by a modern choreographer i do not know how to say her name yeah i i, I nope i no. don't know <laughs> um i am not upset about the not using jerome robbins choreography i've been saying for years that we should have one with new choreography i've been saying for years though that it should have been stephen hoggett i yeah. would i want his version of west side story uh i would agree with that yeah yeah compared to someone who has the kind of traffic record that this choreographer has yes. well it also Stephen Hawking has now worked in musical theater and mm-hmm. the Broadway scene for a while now that I feel like even if maybe he didn't come from it originally he's been in the world enough that he sort of understands a musical exactly uh, not so much with the people about to do this um, yeah so hot take hot take have you ever seen Einstein on the beach Einstein at the beach Einstein on the Beach. I always mess it up. I'm pretty sure it's Einstein on the Beach, and then I always think and guess myself. It's a five-hour opera by Philip Glass. Oh! Bam did it a couple years ago. There's no intermission. Um, So I went a couple years ago and um, almost murdered a whole theater full of people at Bam. Um, I would, too. Because what Einstein on the Beach did for theater was very important. Um, the The director's name is escaping me, but it was a remounting of this production and it, it came out in the 70s and it was one of the first theatrical experiences that really, th- this director was obsessed with taking a moment and going into all, and I'm when I say a moment, I don't even mean, I, I mean like three seconds tops, <laughs> like something that could be done in seconds. Sure. Um, and stretching it out for minutes D- discovering discovering what the intricacies of uh, of those kind of things that w- that we do so quickly uh, what that entails and so truly there was a section of this opera where we watched for about 30 minutes um, a set piece that was a rectangle of light go from being perpendicular to the stage to parallel to the stage while an asian soprano dressed as a german schoolboy stood in the pit and sang Thirty minutes of that, um, and so and a lot of the movement in in this in this piece is sounds very similar to what this choreographer does. It's a lot of repetition, mm-hmm. a lot of breaking down movement to the bare essential of what a movement is. And as someone who has experienced theatrical pieces like that before, and has um, oh god, what's the word for it? Absolutely hated it. Um, I. <laughs> What's the word again? Burn. <laughs> um, I, I. It makes me really nervous, just because. Yeah. No, just I. Because I, I'm with you. Here's okay. But dance is so. Dance is. So, this was the musical that really took dance. I mean, well, it I mean, pushed Oklahoma, it further, well, but it pushed yeah. it further well, into what dance, how integral it is to a musical. Every musical that has been hailed as like revolutionary really isn't revolutionary in the way that you think of the word revolutionary. Mm. People mm. say like oh, Oklahoma was groundbreaking. Oklahoma didn't do anything at that point that musicals hadn't done. Correct. It was just the fir- they just pushed it further. Than anyone had. And got it roll right. Yeah, exactly. Same mm-hmm. with West Side Story. Like, Arthur yes. Lawrence always used to say, like, 
like uh, topics on the street were on stage and like dance was a big part of shows by that point like Oklahoma already happened it just pushed it even further Correct. so that's what really what groundbreaking musicals do um, my I've got a couple of issues with this I'll try to go down the bullet point because we've got another musical on the horizon that we gotta get to today we do, that I'm we very do. excited to yes, introduce to the world we, we, um, need to, we need to get there Scott Rune is producing it which used to me be a sign of confidence however uh, he's doing the same thing he did with Hello Dolly and Carousel which is that they're doing like a month and a half long workshop of the mm-hmm. show um which with hello dolly was really kind of just to get bet comfortable with, with the show whereas with carousel it was like what else can we cut right. what else can we move around and i th- i'm so terrified that that's what it's going to be with this show especially with eva van hoffe directing it have you seen any of his productions before yes um i've seen a couple of his things at bam okay um did you see his angels at BAM? No, okay. but um, I, I've I, I've heard so many things about that production of Angels, um, uh, specifically the uh, white Swedish man in dreadlocks who played Belize. Yes, and the moment when the angel broke through the ceiling, the doctor walked in, dropped a feather, and was supposed to be the angel. Yeah, um, what so, I under- yeah what I understand is that that production was very polarizing. They also took a th- I think they also did the entire thing, like all seven hours in ninety minutes. Like they, yeah, it, it's it, it was everything. something. It was something like that. And I, I mean, I've I've seen multiple things at Bam, and he he's a very polarizing person for me. I either yeah. really love it, or I'm either. I saw a production of his. I believe it was Enemy of the People. Mm-hmm. I believe he directed it at Bam a couple of years ago, and um, it was a nightmare. Yeah. Um, it, he, Literal. Th- there was a moment where he decided to stop the show, turn on the house lights, because it was supposed to be a town meeting. Mm-hmm. It, it's that scene where it's kind of the town meeting in uh, Enemy of the People. And he turned us into the town, and um, we they just completely broke the fourth wall, turned on the house lights, and suddenly asked a theater full of New Yorkers in Brooklyn, New York what their thoughts on politics were and handed around a handheld mic to multiple people, just random audience members to share their thoughts. Um, so when I die and go to hell, that is exactly what it's going to be. Absolutely. And then in the scene after that, they picked up water balloons filled with paint and threw them at each other. I can top that for you. Oh, um, God. So I've seen three... Ben Hafez. Okay. I've seen, Tell me about it, stud. I've, I'm so nervous. Well, I saw View from the Bridge, which I went into really expecting to love because I'd heard such amazing things. Yeah, I heard really good things about it as well. I didn't hate it. I just disliked it. I thought it was a very cold production of a mm. play that has a lot of passion to it. I find a lot of his productions cold. Yeah. Which makes, it, which makes West Side Story scary to me. Yeah, exactly. Like that View from the Bridge is about, like, it's... There, it's a ta- there are Italians in it. There's blood. There's mm-hmm. sex. There's violence, and he made it such a sterile production. Mm. Um, there's a scene in View from the Ridge where it's all supposed to take place at a dinner table, and it's <laughs> John just burped, and it's four characters. I purposely went away from the microphone so they wouldn't hear me burp. <laughs> I I loved it though. I needed to ca- I needed to call it out. It was great because at first burped I thought you were like about to die. Um, <laughs> I just started vomiting. I just I just casually pulled the microphone away from my mouth because we're both holding our mics even though they can sit on the table. We're literally holding them just like two singers at the duplex yeah, exactly. trying to find our way. Um, and that will be our cabaret. What, what what if I truly just started vomiting? Um, that, okay, that sorry. was that was Eva Van Hoppe's production of My Fair Lady. Well, um, <laughs> she just starts vomiting. She starts vomiting onto the mic. All night. Um, but so there's a scene that's supposed to take place at a dinner table, 
and it's the four main characters. And the point is that it's supposed to be uh, very kind of slice of life. Things are sort of overlapping, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then the ten and you, but you sense tension that's eventually building, and then it breaks apart. Yeah. Even off a stage with all four characters standing apart from each other and st- looking in different locations, with this sort of buzzing sound underneath, and there would be about six or seven seconds of silence in between every line. Mm. So what should be a five minute scene became a nine minute scene, mm. and I. Did not hate it, but I was also thinking to myself, this is an acting exercise that's on Broadway right now. Mm-hmm. This is this is something you do with your actors I would agree with that. to find the tension, and then you condense it to the scene. Uh, yep. And so I was very uh, turned off by that. Then I saw Lazarus at New York Theater Workshop. Oh, yeah. Which I really wanted musical. to see that. That was wacky, and that's an understatement. Mm. Um, I knew nothing about... The sh- but it's also a wacky ass show. He didn't. Who wrote that? Uh, I mean, I know it was the, David the Bowie, guy but... who wrote once. Okay, Glenn. Uh, no, 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 the, no, the no. book the Walsh, book. Yeah, something yeah. Walsh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's and it's a sequel of a, a of another story that was turned into a movie starring David Bowie, and that was a very wacky story about an alien who landed on Earth and mm-hmm. uh, bisexual became like a drug addict and. Uh, alcoholic and because an alien doesn't age and has been on Earth forever. And I mean, like, we've heard that story before. So, Give us something original. But so I, I knew nothing about it and I could not tell you a goddamn thing that happened in this actual show. Sure. It opened with Michael C. Hall lying unconscious on the floor of what was his apartment, I guess, looking very much like the hotel room in Lost in Translation. <laughs> Blinds and a big old TV in the middle of the room. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, I know exactly um, what you're talking exactly. about. Exactly, and so weird. Imi- I with I will break down some images for you. Michael C. Hall has a f- sword fight with a geisha that pops out of the TV screen uh, that he's watching. I believe my friend played the geisha. Yeah, my friend Lynn Craig. I oh, believe she did. No way. Yeah. It was literally like. He's watching TV and there's a geisha, and then she pops out of the TV and they they have a sword fight. Chris Kristen Milioti wearing a blue wig and go-go dress, gets choked in a refrigerator while uh, Sophia and Caruso start singing Life on Mars. Uh, then, oh, it turns out Sophia and Caruso is actually like the ghost of a girl that got murdered by Alan Cumming. Not Alan Cumming, Alan Cumming, just Alan Cumming playing a child molester. It was very lovely bones. And you don't realize what's happening. There's like this whole big number and they're showing all these images of like destruction and chaos on the TV screen. And then in a blackout, just Helen Cummings headshot floats across the screen. And Thank my God. friend Ali Gordon, and I just sit there. We go, is that, is that Alan Cumming? And then was uh, he in the show? Sort of. Here's the thing. And then Sophie Ann Crusoe is like lying in bed. There's a bed on stage that's like used for multiple purposes. And Sophie Ann Crusoe is lying in bed, terrified, even though she's a ghost. And Alan Cumming pops up on the TV screen. And he, whatever her character's name was, like Jill, Chelsea, something like that. Sure. And he's like, Chelsea, Chelsea. And she goes, is it you, the one who did this to me? And he goes, yes. And you find out through like a weird back and forth that he was lived in her town. He stalked her and he killed her. Um, and so he's like, in order for you to go back to earth, uh, go back to like the afterlife, you have to get murdered in this life again. And so, uh, Michael C. Hall draws a rocket ship on the floor to try to take himself back to his planet. It doesn't work. Sophia and Caruso goes on there. She's like, it has to be me. So he stabs her and she starts bleeding. I thought she was already dead. No, but she has to get killed again, I guess. I don't know. Don't ask me plot. I don't understand how it all worked. All I know is that he stabbed her and she's just bleeding milk and he sings a song mourning her, but then she comes back to life and then they start slipping and sliding into the milk while singing We Could Be Heroes. I cannot believe you just ruined the whole plot of Mamma Mia 2 for all of our (laughs) listeners. (laughs) 
I cannot believe you did that. Um, this is all to say, everybody, that for the first time in forever, in forever slash nine months, we have a new jukebox musical. It took. We've carried this baby for nine months. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I had a couple of people who did reach out to me, and they're like, "When are you gonna do another jukebox musical?" And I'm like, "I'm sorry, is someone?" And you're like, "Mom, leave me alone." Oh, please. You think my mom knows like, how Danny. podcast works? You're like, "Danny, please leave stop, me alone, Stop mother. badgering me. No, no, no one in my I family know. knows how podcasts work, so they don't. Oh, same. To that's the that's, only. That's like literally like the saving grace about this podcast is that I can say whatever I want because literally, if I tell my, if I try to explain what a podcast to my parents is, they'd be like, "So it's a it's a pill you take? <laughs> it's it's a it's a plant? It's I'm like, a, yes. it's a radio that I have to have on my phone." Yes. I don't get it. Um, I think my dad found a way to listen to the first episode, and he didn't know how he did it, so it's never going to happen again. <laughs> he literally reached Narnia, and he cannot find no. the wardrobe again. <laughs> no, not at all. It's it, we're like a we're like a pop up bar. You just like you have to have a code, and we'll tell you where we're at the next time. Yeah, we're we're totally um we're totally a speakeasy, and our password is that's tough. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say anal. So <laughs> anal butt stuff. There we go. Oh, God. It's a password. You know what's so weird is that I, for, for all the time that I spent talking to you, John, I realized how little time I actually spent physically with you. But yet, like, our cycles are so synced. So synced. We are so synced that it's yeah. crazy. That a couple, So true. Yeah. There are a couple of people who are like, I didn't know you and John were so close. I'm like, it's weird how close we are considering how little we actually <laughs> little see each other. How little we've ever been in the same room. <laughs> it's crazy. Crazy. You're like my little pen pal. Yeah. My little peanuts pal. Um, and the twist is, I've been dead the whole time and I'll bleed milk. Um, oh, right. Let's get to this jukebox yes. musical. I'm so, I've been so excited. <gasps> Me too. Okay. So l- those of you who remembered from last episode, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. John mentioned uh, a title for what he thought sounded like a nice Kelly Clarkson song, which was uh, Don't Let the Moment Die. Yes. And I still I still hold, hold fast and strong and so, hard to that one. <laughs> I, we've decided to name the jukebox musical Don't Let the Moment Die, even though there's no song of hers. No, she's never sang that. <laughs> no, no song of hers. No one has that. ever sang that. Um, quick little lineup. Bitch has hits. Bops. So many bops. Bops. Tons pounding. of bops so, and so many hits. Um, mm-hmm. I would say, I would argue about 90% of Kelly Clarkson's songs are about love. Very um, specifically, I would agree. Yes. Uh, so it was a little hard to figure out how to make this work. But I think. Unless she plays C- Cupid. Unless I plays Cupid? Unless she was Cupid. Oh, like yeah. Kelly Clarkson as Cupid. Yeah, it's kind of like that. So, uh, let's in- let's go for it. Um, so excited. We're, we're along for the ride. So, the song, the show is called Don't Let the Moment Die. You walk outside and there are two ticket takers outside the theater dressed as bouncers. Oh my god, it's immersive already. Mm-hmm. Like, before we even get into oh, the theater. She's immersive. The theater is just like Casino, which was the tent downtown that Great Comet oh, was no. in originally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like that, but it's like a pop-up in a big, like, space. Sure. So you walk down, and so you walk in, and there's a dark hallway with, like, red carpet and, you know, flashing lights a bit and, like, music's bopping. And as you walk down, you see all these mirrors. Mm. And you realize that they all have messages written in lipstick. Okay. Which, if you go see Mean Girls in the bathroom, they have like messages written in lipstick, which is where I stole it from. But Smart. as you walk down, you realize that it's all chronicling a relationship. So it starts off with like thinking of you, winky face, like can't wait for tonight, and like as it continues, it goes like love you, can't live without you, and then it becomes like who's Heather? 
<gasps> and then it becomes like, Who fuck off, <gasps> hate you, miss you, like things like that. Oh, yeah. Oh god, J- stories before the story begins. Uh huh. And and mirrors are. Someone called it ex- exposition, but I am dumb, so I wouldn't. No. <laughs> story before the story. <laughs> what are words? You walk in, and it's like a giant club almost, but like a little more basic. Uh, so there's a big dance floor right in the middle. That's like the majority of the stage. And everybody's sitting at tables or bar stools. And along the outside walls are five giant frosted mirrors going like ceiling to floor. And in the, on the dance floor are some actor's cubes and actor's cubes, actor cubes and catwalks. Some cubes who act. <laughs> some cubes, yeah. yeah actor. They're, they're the cubes of the actors. Um, actor's cubes. No, actor cubes. Uh, and the, the cast members are trying to like come out and they're stretching the greeting the audience. It's very cabaret-y. And then all of a sudden... Bam! Lights go out. The intro music for Miss Independent begins. And a spotlight comes up on one of the frosted mirrors, and one of the ensemble girls is prepping herself in front of the mirror, and she sings the very first verse of Miss Independent. Miss Independent, Miss Self-Sufficient, Miss Keep Your Distance. Uh, then the lights come up on all the other mirrors where all the other ensemble girls are prepping themselves and they all come out into the middle of the dance floor and do a phenomenal pop and lock dance break. Super impressive because they're all wearing Louboutins and body binding dresses. Body binding, of course. Yeah. Yes, they're in their they're in their Saturday night finery. Then all the girls break apart to reveal a little girl listed in the program as Kid Kelly in pajamas. <laughs> this is the most Alec Alex Timbers directed bullshit oh, yeah. ever. It is witnessed. it is great it's... comet meets um, here lies love exactly. meets it the share like, show in ex- summer exactly. but I'm here for it same um, I, am as al- I am already as well so Kid Kelly's there like in these little pajamas and in front of her is a man who's representing her father and he's holding a suitcase the music oh, begins the, be- the music shifts to piece by piece <gasps> that piece song by piece. yeah right that song kills me the man turns away with the suitcase and walks off the dance floor up the aisles and out the door all the mirrors start to project his face and Kid Kelly played by a former young Anna and Frozen shouts, Daddy! After she shouts, Daddy, though, our main protagonist, Kissy Kelly, <laughs> it makes sense when you hear it right, played by Erica Henningsen. Appears is she is she um is she uh, which McCall she's, she's Katie and yeah, she's Katie yeah, in, in Mean Girls. It's like very secret high belter. Um, <laughs> and she also secretly belts an F in the opening number. Oh. That's so exhilarating. All right, um, I'm into her. Is right. ki- kissing Kelly, kissy Kelly, kissy Kelly, kissy Kelly, um, KK. or kissing Kelly, kissy Kelly. Um, kissy Kelly stands behind Kid Kelly to indicate that they are the same person, and she's the older version of her. And she starts to sing the rest of piece by piece. Mm-hmm. As she does this, and she gets to the chorus, that he never looks away, he never mm-hmm. asks for money. We see her starting to interact with various men in the ensemble who she is having different relationships mm. with mm. one begins one ends and then mm-hmm. she sings to the next man about the last man recreating the the story with her father yes exactly the... indicating kissy kelly's bad with love and that they're all various romantic prospects that go bad because of her father layers it's all na- layers and metaphors here thank god Kelly watches from afar a la Little T-Moon. 
She's watching her older self go through these trials and tribulations of adult love. Because the producer's like, if we're going to pay her to be there, we might as well use the bitch. Yeah, use, use that bitch. Um, then the, the floor clears and Kissy Kelly is alone. And she sings one more chorus of Piece by Piece. Piece by piece, he collected me above the ground where you abandoned things. Piece by piece, he filled the holes that you burned in me. Then, um, uh, Kid Kelly is replaced by Confident Kelly. <laughs> Aren't we all? Played by Lena Hall, wearing a ferocious corset, a leather jacket, and flowy slacks. That is a perfect, perfect yeah. choice. Erica Henningsen has a very pure, like, pop sound, so mm. it works for Kissy Kelly. Lena Hall is the confident, grown yeah. woman Kelly. Yes, she is. So she comes out, um, and Confident Kelly sings to Kissy Kelly to get out of her funk, and she sings Heat. Throughout the song, Confident Kelly and the ensemble of women in a montage effect course Kissy Kelly to get out of her funk and throw herself into her work, her fitness, and her hobbies to become her own woman again. You know what you need, girl? You need work, fitness, and hobbies. I actually say that to myself like every day. Yeah, <laughs> that's, no, it's, that's actually exactly. Yeah, what I you downplay that. it, but it's very necessary. <laughs> that's, huh? that's, that's um, exactly what I. Um... So yeah, the song is about oh. heat. Is usually about it's. Oh, it's from her newest album. Yeah. Okay, cool. heat is actually about like the lack of chemistry in a relationship and how she's mm. like, I'm used to fire and passion, but. I've altered it so that way it's Confident Kelly looking Kissy Kelly be like I'm used to heat and fire here like we're a passionate woman yeah. be passionate again it's about herself oh, by the end of the song Kissy Kelly's feeling good and she sings medicine you gave me fever love but too much drama and I ain't even worried about it cause I'm too far gone far gone oh yeah I ain't even think about you I ain't as each frosted mirror in the club projects an image of a former beau in the opening number that then gets torn to pieces as she continues to sing medicine. Then Confident Kelly and Kid Kelly come in and they sing in a ferocious three-part harmony. Then Kid Kelly does a little dance break of her own, which is something just basically like hopscotch, but the audience eats it up. Oh yeah, they always Because do. even though she's like not a real dancer, they're like, kid dancing. They're like, oh my god, look, she has dreams. Yeah. And they're not yet Then broken. the actor representing Kelly's dad shows up again in a pool of light, <gasps> indicating that he's still on her subconscious. The music stops and Kelly is frozen. She doesn't know what to do. The male ensemble sing a chorus of Miss Independent in a minor key. <gasps> Miss Independent, Miss Self-Sufficient, Miss Keep Your Distance. Oh, I yeah. love it in a minor key. That's like exactly when Larry O'Keefe took that song, um... Uh, love and War and yeah. then turned it into positive, positive yeah. by just changing oh, it from minor to war. major. I know, really. Like, <laughs> and just like, it's, oh, that's so accurate. That is um, wonderful. I love that choice for that. The word sting coming from the beveling patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, repeat that sentence one more time. The lyrics of Miss Independent now sting because they're coming from the beveling patriarchy. <laughs> That was the most 2018 sentence it's that, that we've if, ever if had. If you could define a male musical theater ensemble on Broadway, they are the beveling patriarchy. They are, truly, the beveling patriarchy. They discard, however, and Kissy Kelly's trio of female gals, all named Trish, <laughs> come I'm out not. to take her out on the town. You ain't no Texas women do it bigger. Say that so. 
in the south that gets no rid of baby pop full of grits i'm hotter than your mama's supper boy Um, during the song, they get themselves dressed up in their club finery. It's very someone in the crowd, but like it's a real bop. Um, and I love someone in the crowd, but this is a bop. By the end of the song, they're ready, and the entire cast comes out dancing on actor cubes with disco balls twirling, and we immediately transition into Heartbeat Song. This is my heartbeat song, and I'm gonna play it. Been so long, I forgot how to turn it up, 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 up all night long. During the song, like Kissy Kelly allows herself to finally enjoy the evening and sings a, uh, a verse of Heartbeat Song to herself about enjoying the night. Mm. But of course, once she lets down her guard, who pops up on another actor cube but him? <gasps> Please tell me that's just the character's name. It is him. <laughs> Played by, once on this island's Isaac Powell. Oh. Abs and rolling body for days. He makes me feel so bad about myself. <laughs> Um, <laughs> as opposed to any other day? No, I mean, he really does a really good job at it. Like, I look at his body and then, <laughs> it's terrible. Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> Whatever, I ate Domino's last night. I'm in, I'm in it for the short haul. I literally, I literally would let him marry Fagan me. Like, I would just... Yeah. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Um, so he, Isaac Powell plays him and he's introduced by jumping up onto an actor cube with a spotlight on It's very similar to the Anatole entrance, but a little less grand because sure. it's not truly about him. Sure, I get that. Um, and Heartbeat Song becomes, instead of Kissy Kelly's song about freeness, now becomes about him. I wasn't even gonna go out, but I never would have had a doubt if I don't know where I'd be Um, as this happens, Confident Kelly and Kid Kelly, if you, you know, don't listen close enough, you hear them overlap certain lines of Miss Independent into Heartbeat Song oh. as they watch their uh, principal self fall for yet another man. Sure. Mm-hmm. Their principal self. Everyone slowly disperses, leaving Kissy Kelly and him together. They do a two-minute pas de to an instrumental version of Breakaway, played by a string quartet. Only two minutes. <laughs> Any longer than two minutes, and I'm done. No. Um, as it ends, they kiss. Don't, uh, yes, instrumental version of Breakaway, played by a string quartet. As it ends, they kiss, and he's, and him sings, Catch My Breath. Kissy Kelly is now obviously hopelessly in love. Him walks off the dance floor. Smitten, Kissy Kelly sings, Moment like this. <laughs> Maple Wave. Oh, I can't believe it's happening to me. <laughs> Confident Kelly, though, is back, and she is pissed. She begins to sing Walk Away to Kissy Kelly. Oh, God, I love that song. Mm-hmm. It's a great song. I'm looking for attention. I don't have a question. Should you stay or should you go? Well, if you don't have the answer, why are you still standing here? Hey, 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 just walk away. Kissy Kelly, though, goes on the defensive and starts using lyrics like, you may think I'm stupid, but the truth is that it's Cupid. And get your hand off my trigger against Confident Kelly. Oh. 
See, this is how I had to be smart and use romantic that. songs in a different way. She banishes Kissy Kelly from the dance floor, and him comes back. The two then sing a mashup of Keeping Score and Don't You Want to Stay. Those are just duets she did with men. Um, oh, okay, cool. I listened to them, and I was like, yeah, she can sing a duet of this with him. Perfect. Um, in the mashup, we see a series of uh, the progression of their courtship. This is as the ensemble moves the actor cubes mm. and prop handling, and they walk along catwalks to indicate they're like going on walks in the park. Mm. Um, Love the two. The, the two end in bed. Uh, made of two actor cubes. Confident Kelly comes back out in the shadows, though, and sings to Kissy Kelly through her uh, dreams, already gone. <laughs> Reminding her of the ambition she once had that's now already gone. <gasps> yep, she's compromising herself for him. Yes. Kissy Kelly gets out of bed and confronts Confident Kelly one more time with a twist of a few verses of Mr. Know-It-All, You Think You Know Me. Yes. not be defined by this one trait of her personality. By the time she gets to the third verse, though, Confident Kelly steps aside to reveal Kissy Kelly's dad once again. This daddy. Th- this throws Kissy this, Kelly. This musical has more daddy issues than a Hell's Kitchen twink. Like, Girl, truly. I was in a play called Daddy Issues. And you think I'm joking. Everyone, Funny. I made my off-Broadway debut in a play called Daddy Issues. Funny issue. To uh, seedontheisle.com said that uh, my averageness worked for me. <laughs> God, I love reviews. Don't you? God, every person's job should be able to be reviewed by critics. Whatever. The Jewish standard said I had a fresh and gregarious manner. Um, Oh, wow. I'll take that as well as how my averageness works for me. Um, (laughs) Reveals Kissy Kelly's dad once again. This throws Kissy Kelly into a burst of rage and pushes both Confident Kelly and her dad out of the theater and out Mm -hmm. through the front doors. She slams the doors and turns around in the audience and rages. And then in a twist, she goes back to sing from the beginning since you've been gone. Sure. Mm-hmm. Wow. The frost and mirrors show photos of Kissy Kelly's dad, which then get torn up yet again and shattered. The lights then go back to normal and we see Kissy Kelly on the floor, emotionally wrecked. Mm. Kim gets out of the bed and goes to comfort her. He sings, Move You. Which I think is also from her new album? No? Are you familiar with that? I'm not familiar with it. It kind of sounds a little... I don't know. It kind of sounds a little familiar, but I I don't know. I don't know. The song shows that the two are getting emotionally enveloped in each other. Mm. Um, as him continues to sing to Kissy Kelly, uh, couples all over the theater do modern dance potatoes again to show the couple's unhealthy infatuation. Mm. Everyone clears the stage, including him, and Kissy Kelly now has to go back to her day-to-day life with him fully incorporated, but she can't focus, and she sings cruel. Am I supposed to close my eyes and fall asleep when you're not home? 
because yeah. it's cruel how much she's addicted to him and then she yeah. transitions into addicted <gasps> yes. and we see that her mind is elsewhere <gasps> um, throughout addicted Kissy Kelly becomes too obsessive about him needing more about needing more of him and she wades through the ensemble making <sighs> sure she's always seeing him at first he's like wade through the gaze girl wade right? through the gaze wade through the gaze the beveling patriarchy wade through the beveling patriarchy <laughs> <laughs> as she waves through them she sees him more and more, and he at first is like super flattered by it, but then he's like, "This is all get, getting a little too fatal attraction-y." And every time the male ensemble sings a chorus of "Addicted," Kelly sings a little bit of a line from "Go High," which goes, "It's too much, can't breathe." Mm-hmm. All these mashups and levels, these, I love all it. All these mashing up bops. Then Kissy Kelly runs into her father, but for real this time. What? For real. I like a Dwayne Reed. Yep. <laughs> Just anywhere. At a bathhouse. Um, <laughs> Where is she? Then for the first time ever. Similar to... She's at a chops. <laughs> she really wants a Santa Fe salad. <laughs> she Girl, sees her daddy instead. the Kelly Clarkson musical. It's Juice Generation. They're both getting smoothies. True. Yeah. You're correct. You can't have food in that belly during this show. Smoothies are nothing. Yeah. Um, but the music all cuts out, and we have real dialogue now. Wow. They have an actual book scene. It's like five minutes long. Brave. Not a minute longer. Brave. Not a minute longer. She keeps trying to make awkward small talk to like get back into her like good graces, but she yeah. is not having it. But yeah. she also can't find the confidence to confront him. Suddenly... Is this set in New York, by the way? It's set somewhere. <laughs> kind of like... LA. I want I'm gonna say LA. It's like it's very LA. Or like L B. Sure. Like like it's not LA, but it's really close. It's the next one down. L B. A suburb outside of San Diego. Yeah. Um it's 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 here. It's now. Uh, that's it's this. Uh, but in a moment of metaphorical beauty. Kissy Kelly, in this moment where she like can't con- uh, confront her father, mm. steps out and watches Kid Kelly come in and be her in the scene, and she's watching Whoa. herself turn into her child self again because she can't confront her father and it's really painful all of a sudden though confident kelly comes back and grabs her hand (gasps) and she comes back into the scene and the two sing a duet of behind these hazel eyes to her father yes oh i've been waiting for this song Mm -hmm. Having finally told her father off, Kissy Kelly then grabs hands with Kid Kelly, and the three all sing What Doesn't Kill You Makes Us Stronger, which yes. then transitions into Because of You, which then transitions into Don't You to Pretend. Uh, no, sorry. No, I lied. That's a lie. Don't You Pretend comes later. Uh, <laughs> it becomes into What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger. Kissy Kelly has then found uh, her confidence, and she goes back to him and sings Because of You. She's ready to start a because new... Because of you, have you ever listened to her um, sing that with Reba? She has. Yes, a, I love that duet. It's real fucking Sorry. good. It's but, really so good. So she sings that to him to be like, "I'm ready to start a new. Like, I'm in a better place now." Yeah. And he cuts her off, and he sings, "Don't you pretend," because he's like done. And then she cuts him off with a verse and a reprise of "Don't you want to stay?" To which he then cuts her off and sings, "Would you call that love?" <laughs> which is also from her new album.
walks away. The ensemble sings a few lines of Miss Independent a cappella as he walks out the door. Love a good through line with with the song. Right? She stands in the middle of the dance floor. Confident Kelly comes back up and grabs her hand. Kid Kelly grabs her other hand. Finally at peace with herself, Confident Kelly starts to sing Didn't I, which then overlaps with Kissy Kelly singing My Life Would Suck Without You, which then... Uh, leads to a verse of Kid Kelly singing Invincible. All this builds into all the women of the cast standing on stage, legs spread dominantly underneath their yes. shoulders in a choral version of I Don't Think About You. Yeah. Which ends with Lena Hall and Erica Henningsing doing a riff off, which of course Lena Hall wins. Yeah, but yeah. Yes. Then Lena Hall celebrates by walking up to one of the frosted mirrors and writes in lipstick, Kelly, I love you. From <gasps> Kelly. Oh, slash to Justin. <laughs> the lights Oof. go out. The curtain calls a 12-minute mega mix of all the songs Thank of Forgotten American God. Thank God. And that is Don't Let the Moment Die coming to a meatpacking district nightclub near you. I... Would definitely see that. Without a doubt, I'm in love with this. I kind of want this exactly to happen. Although the only thing I would change, or I would maybe offer this one note. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just me. (laughs) But the name Kid Kelly, I don't know why, but I can only imagine this weird love child of Kid Rock and Kelly Clarkson, who's mostly Kid Rock, but is also Kelly Clarkson. What about Kitty Kelly? I don't know. Maybe Kid Kelly will work. We'll workshop it, it. We'll do a lab. They won't get rights no. of first refusal. I was trying to. But... Do, I was trying to do like uh, alliteration, but it was, like there's not a lot of cuz that work well. Like confidence starts with a C, not a K. But I wasn't gonna do like Kinky Kelly. Um, com, 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 uh, confu- or how about Confused Kelly, Confident Kelly? No, you're right. Kid, Ke- it's Kid Kelly. It's Kid K- Kelly. Kid Kelly. I think, Correct. but instead of Kissy Kelly, maybe Confused Kelly. Um, but I said Kissy Kelly because of all the men she kisses. Kissy Kissy Kelly, my, uh, I, I would I, I might pull money from the sh- my money from the show if we don't keep Kissy Kelly. So, okay. <laughs> guys, John will withdraw his five dollars. I the truly show. will. Um, Erica Henningsen, Lena Hall, if you're listening, this is your next project. You're welcome. Yes, it's and Isaac Powell, body roll for days. I would like to uh, offer. I would like I'm to sorry. open. I'd like to open the floor up to our listeners now. To reach out to myself and to John and mm. challenge John on the next Jukebox That Musical. You know I'm up for a challenge. And by saying I'm up for a challenge, I mean... You mean bottoming after Chipotle? <laughs> I call that Mexican roulette, honey. <laughs> I actually have never called it Mexican roulette before, but hashtag TM. That's what it's called now. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Copyright, all rights reserved, Mexican roulette. That's what it um, is. Yeah, anybody who wants to reach out to John, reach out to him. Please do reach out and touch my faith, and then yes. we will. I, I will. I will be a glad. prince and reach out and touch his faith. And I, I, I truly do want you to come up with something that is 
like give me suggestions yeah. that are, are that are out there because i i want to be surprised at what the next one is i don't want to hear what they are i want john to tell me all right i've i've vetted the pool and this is what i came up with and this is get ready to get wet because mm-hmm. the pool's been vetted yes i'm still waiting for our third review we haven't had a review in a long time yeah. i think because now people just know we're going to tangent they're no longer warning people about our tangents yeah like, i think i think it's also um I mean, we also have about, like, sometimes we go, like, weeks without <laughs> doing it. That's so, true. So, I, I, you know. But weirdly, considering the fact that we are rather inconsistent, I've been, like, looking at our SoundCloud profile. We've got some of you. We've got some so, listens. Thanks, People enjoy guys. listening to us. Thanks for listening to us. You're all little blessings from the baby Jesus. Like, unless That's, you're Isaac Powell, and then you are God's Satan. best work. <laughs> no, I say you're just Satan. You're a temptress. You, no, you you were God. God spent a lot of extra time on you. He did. Um, um, so that's to say. Oh, actually, your, and actually, speaking oh. of him, um, if you have not watched Indoor Boys, I don't know if you've watched it, Alex Wise yes. and um, Wesley Taylor's. I just want to plug this show really quick because I just finished the second season today. And I absolutely love it. Go watch Indoor Boys. If you don't know what it is, you're going to love it. If you love anything that we do, you're going to love it. So go check it out. Um, Isaac Powell is on that. He's, on, he's in the second season. He is dating Wesley Taylor. So just wanted to plug that real quick because I it's on my mind. Yes. And I never have anything on my mind. I've yet to see it, so I should I should start watching. It. <gasps> you have? No. Oh yeah, watch it. I it's will, so good. I watch. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. It's really um, good. Yeah. So that's our plug, everybody. Uh, be wary of Eva Van Hoffe. <laughs> Uh, watch Indoor Boys and keep and your, Sharp Objects and Sharp Objects. Uh, keep your ears out for the next Kelly Clarkson musical and give John a challenge for the next one. Yeah, yeah. Challenge, accept that challenge, take that challenge, whatever that. Is. Do you know what I'm talking? Do you know what I'm referencing? It's Jasmine Masters. It, oh, oh, challenge, get a job. Challenge, uh, do that challenge. Jeff. That part. Yeah, she's got something to say. Um, she does. We. I have two people who I thought about maybe closing today out with. Who are you thinking, maybe? I feel like I've chosen the last couple times. Have you? Okay. So, okay, I'll give you my three options, and I'll give you my reasoning why. Okay. Two, because of the Kelly Clarkson musical, Lena Hall, mm-hmm. or Erica Henningsen. Okay. Um, and I think it'd be nice for you to hear a little bit more of uh, Mean Girls for a second, just to sort of hear her voice. Yeah. There's not much in Mean Girls that I'm like, you must listen, but she has a couple of moments where I'm like, that's fun. Uh, and then the other one, referencing back to our Glinda days, Megan Hilty. Oh. We haven't had Megan Hilty yet. And you I like know, to honor her. I, I I would love to give Megan Hilty your chance to shine, but I, I really want to listen to Lena Hall now. Okay. Now that, now that we've brought her up, All right, I want to listen to her. I want to listen to Selena Carnival, Carnival, whatever her real name was. Oh, back in Legally Blonde. Back in Legally yeah. Blonde, Search for Elle Woods. Oh, days. Um, if so you we, haven't watched that series, guys, strap in. They try so hard to make her the villain, it's hysterical. It's amazing. I want to rewatch it. I was actually about to rewatch it the other day, and then I was like, "You actually have a job yeah, to that's do, a, so you should do something." That's a rabbit hole you don't want to go down unless you have like five days off. Truly. So, all right. Well, let's play us out, Lena. Yeah, this has been Broadway Breakdown. I'm Matt, and I'm John. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon, guys.
you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 